Amen. All right, thanks, PT. Well, he just prayed, so now I don't have to, so we're good to go on that. So I'm very excited to be with you guys, and it's always an honor when I have the opportunity to get up here and share what the Lord's placed on my heart, so I'm really excited about tonight's message. And, oh, it's not there again. All right, but it's okay. So we are going to be topping, it's, it's on your handouts, the topic for tonight's message is anorexic Christians. So I know that probably most of you know what anorexia is, but I'm just going to put a definition up there. It's also a fill-in for your handouts so that we're all on the same page. So it is a lack or loss of appetite for food as a medical condition. And then second definition, an emotional disorder characterized by an obsessive desire to lose weight by refusing to eat. So essentially, anorexia is when you are not eating the proper amount of food that your body needs to survive. And this can be a very serious condition. Um, unfortunately, there's some people that they've gone so far that they've actually killed themselves. They've accidentally starved themselves to death because they haven't eaten enough. So, see so you guys still feverishly writing. So here is a picture, and this is Probably not real, it looks a little Photoshop, but it kind of gives you guys the idea of what a severe case of anorexia can look like. And obviously this person is going to be pretty close to death. Now believe it or not, I'm not actually going to be talking about anorexia tonight, at least not this kind of anorexia. But this is, like I said, a very serious thing. And so, if any, of, but if any of you guys were dealing with it to this extent, we could like physically see it on you, and we know we'd be like, "Look, we need to talk, Anna." But no, I'm just <laughs> so you guys are good in that respect. But nonetheless, some of you may be dealing with some lesser extents of it, um, you know, self-image issues and that sort of thing. So, if you are, please come up and talk to a leader afterwards. Um, we'd love to just walk with you through this. So let's take a quick poll. So a few quick polls. By raising your hand, how many of you would say that you only eat one meal a week? Nobody. Nobody in the house, okay? How, raise your hand if you only eat two meals a week. Two meals. No? Okay. I could keep going like this, but let's go ahead and jump to raise your hand if you only eat one meal a day. A day. One meal a day. Oh, I've got a couple people, a couple people in the back. Y'all need to eat some more. Eat up at Thanksgiving. All right, so, all right, raise your hand if you eat three or more meals a day. All right, that looks like everybody in the house, except for my people who raised their hand for the last one, which is good. You guys should be eating about three or more meals a day. So, uh, Thanksgiving is coming up. You guys excited? Wow, lack of enthusiasm there. I am excited for Thanksgiving, all right? A lot of good, yummy food. And how many of you, so that, that thing said one-third, go to multiple Thanksgiving dinners. Raise your hand if you go to more than one Thanksgiving dinner. Hannah does, Anna, okay, Paris, John, a couple. So I've done that the past couple years uh, because I'm engaged. And so like last year, my family, we had this big get-together. It was like 50 people. And we celebrated actually the day after Thanksgiving on Friday. And so the day of, I went with Sabrina over to her uncle's, and we celebrated there. And it is food overload. You guys that go to multiple Thanksgivings know exactly what I'm talking about. Tons of food, and this is definitely how I feel after Thanksgiving. And the problem that I always run into every year is that there's so much yummy food, John, and I just, like, 
I, but I fill up so quickly. I'm like little. And so I just can't eat everything I planned on eating. So, Lord has a sword. Oh, no, man. I'm good. I'm good. So, all right. And so, and the holidays in general are just like this. They are food overload. We got Thanksgiving, then we hit Christmas, then we hit New Year's, and then Valentine's Day kind of falls under there a little bit. So it's just like a downhill slide from here. And then the rest of the year, we work our way back up until we hit it again. So let me show you guys a quick clip about how the holidays are food overload to kind of mentally prepare yourself for what we are about to enter. So, yes, I, yeah, hopefully you guys are mentally prepared now for the season we're about to enter. Eat till you bust. Know how to store it. Yep. <laughs> so, all right, so bringing it back to what uh, we're kind of talking about here tonight. So we established that almost every single person in this room eats three or more meals a day. Now, let's do another quick poll by raising your hand. Raise your hand if you read one chapter of your Bible every single day, seven days a week. Raise your hand if that's you. All right, stand up. Stand up if that's you. Seven days a week, you read one chapter every single day. Well, in general, on a consistent basis, in the regular. You know, it's okay. Everybody misses here and there, but on the regular. So we got on the regular. So like not month here and there. Okay, so that's a lot more people. I am impressed. Come on, give them a round of applause, guys. Let me just encourage you guys real quick. This right here is rare. As you can see, if you look around the room, again, this is no diss to anybody else, but the amount of people that's able to stand out of this room is like maybe 10%. You know, it's not a lot. So kudos to you guys, and I uh, hope this sermon encourages you guys. Um, so, so I've titled this sermon Anorexic Christians because I believe, as our little poll just demonstrated, that as a church, as a generation, particularly here in America, that we are anorexic when it comes to regularly eating of the word of God. You see, many of you guys, all right, and then the second question I meant to ask, how, raise your hand if you read at least one chapter of the word once a week. Raise your hand if you read at least one chapter of the word once a week. Okay, so not many. There's a few hands that went up, but not many hands. And so, so that means those of you that didn't raise your hand, the only time you're getting any word in you is at church. And so that means basically you're looking at twice a week, and that's if you come to youth group on a consistent basis, and that's if you attend a main service on a regular basis. Just out of curiosity, raise your hand if you regularly attend a main service, one of the adult services. 
Okay, that's good. It's about half of you guys. So, but for the rest of you, if you don't attend a main, you're looking at just once a week. But still. And then what you, this is what you get at church. If that is the extent of your word intake, you are basically eating the pastor's throw up. Isn't that lovely? I know because so because that's essentially what's happening right now. You see, I went and I took the time to be in the word and to pray and to study and to prepare this message and to eat of the word of God. And now I'm bringing it to you. So, and there's absolutely absolutely nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, like baby birds. I know. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with preaching. There's nothing wrong with this. Scripture commands it. But I want you to hear this. Just in the same way that no one who merely eats throw up on a twice a week basis is going to live a healthy physical life. No one whose word intake is limited to church services is going to live a healthy spiritual life. So there's a quote I want to read you guys and it's by Wayne Cordero. He's a pastor and a author, and he wrote the book, The Divine Mentor. And this book talks about the importance of reading the word, and he quotes the American Journal of Medicine as saying, the health of 21st century America will no longer be determined by what people get the doctors to do for them, but rather by, by what doctors can get people to do for themselves. And I believe that this quote applies in the spiritual. You see, there's only so much that I can do for you as a teacher, as a communicator, and bringing the word to you. There's only so much Pastor Stefan or Pastor Stefan can do for you. There's only so much that PJ, as great as he is, Pastor John, can do in a sermon or in a counseling situation. What is ultimately going to make the difference in your life, in my life, is getting in the word on a daily basis, reading of it, eating of it, and allowing it to transform us. Amen? Now, I know all this is pretty heavy, but I just want to let you guys know I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to teach you. So you can take a sigh of relief. Tony's not mad at me. It's okay. God's not mad at me. It's going to be okay, all right? So we're going to get through this. Now, if I were to ask you guys, how many of you, and uh, don't raise your hand because you're in church, because your mom and dad's here, because you think it's the right thing you need to do, but let's be honest. Raise your hand if you would tell me that you know it is critical to the outcome of your spiritual life that you be in the word on a daily basis. Raise your hand if you would say that. Okay, so a lot more hands went up for this question than when I asked how many are actually doing it on the daily. So that shows me that there's a disconnect between what we know to be true and the way that we're living. And so we're anorexic Christians. It is slowly killing us. So just want to remind you guys of the definition again, and in case you missed it earlier, you can jot it down. It's a lack or loss of appetite for food as a medical condition. And it's an emotional disorder characterized by an obsessive desire to lose weight by refusing to eat. You know what I notice about this definition is that it doesn't say there's a problem with the food. The food is there. The food is available. It's a lack or loss of appetite for the food. It's refusing to eat the food. So you t by definition, you can't be an anorexic if you're forcefully being starved to death. There's no food. It's being withheld from you. The food is there. You are making a choice that even though it's available, I could have it. I don't want to eat it. And so in the same way, you know, you, you guys have been sick before. When you're healthy, you have a good appetite. You want to eat. But when you're sick, really sick, you have no appetite whatsoever. 
You could have not eaten two, three days. You know, you're fine with you. You have to force yourself to eat because you don't have an appetite. So maybe I think the Holy Spirit's asking us to ask ourselves, if I don't have an appetite, then I'm probably not healthy right now. Probably sick. And so showing you guys this picture again, I feel like the Holy Spirit's also asking, is this a picture of your spiritual life right now? When God looks at you, is this what he sees in the spirit realm? And can we be brutally honest for a second? The reason that we don't read, even though pretty much all of us raise our hand that we know it's important, is because we don't know, because it's not a priority. And it's not a priority because we don't think it's important. But it is important, right? But I think for most of us, we don't know why it's important. So what I'm going to do the rest of our time tonight is explain to you guys three reasons why it's important to be in the Word. And then next week, I'm going to, this is going to be a two-parter. Next week, I'm going to give you four ways to prevent anorexic Christianity. I didn't want to give you guys that tonight because if I just tell you how to fix it without you knowing why, I feel like I'm doing you a disservice in that. But if you know why, then you can do how. So... Let's look at three reasons why it is important to eat the word daily. For our first one, and I was blown away, Miss Liz, your daughter got this answer in the last service. So kudos to you and her. So there are two primary teachers that every single person has in their life. Now, I'll give you a hint. I'm not talking about mom and dad or God and Jesus or your teachers at school, okay? But every single one of us, we have the same two primary teachers. It's not like a human person. It's more like a an idea or a concept, so to speak. So, any yeses? Said the state? A mistake. Very close. Very close. Friends. Not a Experience. Very close. Pain. Okay. Any other guesses? You guys are close. You're warm, but you're not hitting it exactly. Living. Okay. Well, that would be one, but okay. So, Existence, okay, you see, and there's, there, I'm sure there's more right, quote, right answers, but not the ones I'm looking for, so I'll go ahead and just tell you guys, it is wisdom and consequences, okay, so you were very close with uh, mistakes, Dad, on this one, so consequences, how many of you guys have ever done something wrong or stupid and you suffered for it and then you learned a lesson from it, come on, everybody's hand should be up. We've all been uh, learned from consequences and had that as our teacher at some point in our life. Now, uh, some of you guys, maybe a little thick skulled, maybe you did it again, you know, a little slower, had to learn the lesson a second time, but it's okay, you learned it eventually. And I know in my life, I did not get too many spankings when I was growing up, but boy, when I did, it was something I sure tried never to do again, because I learned my lesson that I I did not like the consequences for that particular action. And, but you see, therein lies the problem with consequences. They are very tough teachers. You see, you can only learn from them. You can only learn their lesson after you've made the mistake and then suffer for it. See, consequences are for after you get caught cheating in school and get a zero and written up and then grounded. Hopefully you learned a lesson after all that. Consequences are for after you spent your whole young adult life steeped in pornography, and now that you're an adult wanting to have a real relationship, you can't because your soul is empty, and you don't know how to have intimacy with another human being. Consequences are for after you've driven away all your friends and loved ones because you could not control your tongue, your gossip, your lying, your slandering, your anger. 
So consequences, they teach us, but they're hard teachers. Now, wisdom is the other teacher. And wisdom is basically just when we learn from the examples of others, the good and the bad, the dead, people that are dead, and people that are still alive. And this is where the word of God is so incredible. You see, you don't have to go through an adultery, murder, and subsequent rebellious child. Just read the life of King David. What did he do wrong? What could he have done differently? And apply that in your life. You don't have to be um, scared about living out your faith and standing for what you believe in. Just read the story of Daniel and the lion's den or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or so many others. You don't have to be discouraged living out your faith in a countercultural manner. Just read about Jesus or Paul or Noah and how they lived and how they made it through and how God was there for them. So the first reason that it, why it is important to eat of the word daily is because it helps us to learn to use wisdom instead of consequences. And the Apostle Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians 10, 11. He says that this is a reason for scripture. Now, these things happen to them. Now, the, the thing, these things in the previous verse, and he's given example after example after example from the Old Testament. And he says, these things happen to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And I'll tell you one more thing real quick about consequences, this whole thing, a consequence of wisdom. You get to choose your teacher. You get to choose. You be in the word. You learn from other people. You can choose that. I want wisdom as my primary teacher. Sure, you'll learn from consequences every now and again, but I want to keep that one at the minimal. Or you don't have to learn from the word. You don't have to learn from wisdom and other people. And consequences can be your constant companion. And there are people who are constantly suffering the consequences for their actions. Choose wisdom. All right. So, and uh, just another quick tidbit I'll throw in there. Some of you guys may think, well, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm not ready, you know, dealing with marriage and, you know, all these other issues. But the word is full of stories that will speak to your life exactly where you're at. And also think about this. Don't you think that God is resourceful enough that you could read something in the word today that might not necessarily apply, but that it's going to be exactly what you needed for tomorrow or next week or next year or next month even? And that the Holy Spirit, as you're constantly in the Word, can bring that to your remembrance right at that moment. You'd be like, oh yeah, I read about that. And it can influence your decision. Second reason that you need to know why it is important to be in the Word daily is so that you know what you believe. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, 13 through 15, but evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And so basically, let's break this down, what Paul said. I know there's a lot in it. So, and um, starts off saying deception is going to be constantly increasing, constantly getting worse and worse every single year, every single day. And then immediately after that, he follows that up and reminds Timothy, he says, hey, Timothy, remember, you have been in the sacred writings. That's referring to the Old Testament. You've been a student of the word since childhood. Some translations say infancy, youth. So since you were a youth, you've been in the word. And so 
Paul's not, you know, senile. He's not, you know, getting confused about what he was talking about. They're connected. He says, because deception is getting worse and worse and worse, you're going to be okay because you've made it a priority to be in the Word of God. And so it is so critical that you be in the Word for yourself so that you know what you believe because, guys, let me tell you, there is nothing more sad than a self-professing Christian who doesn't even know what they believe. I've been in, I was in college for five years, and I was constantly amazed at my atheist and agnostic professor's knowledge of the Bible. I mean, they knew what they were talking about. They could quote scripture verses. They knew the stories intimately. So let me plead with you. Don't let your teachers in school, don't let your professors when you get to college, don't let your friends, don't let your coworkers who aren't even saved, who don't even claim to be a Christian, know more about your faith than you do. Because if they do, I can promise you this, they will be able to make you doubt. Because if you don't even know what you believe, even if they're twisting scripture, even if they're taking stuff out of context, if you don't know for yourself, then they're going to be able to make you doubt. And another reason is not only so that you need to know what you believe so that other people don't deceive you, you need to know so that I don't deceive you. You see, you guys are very extremely blessed here at Liberty that we have very high standards for anybody that's going to communicate, whether it's back here or in the front. But um, you guys might not always be at Liberty. You might move, might be in another state, another area, and you might have to find another church. And if you do, if you don't know what you believe, then how are you going to go there? If the pe preachers preach an error, false stuff, stuff that's not right, how are you going to know? And then also, even though you're very blessed here, I'm not perfect. None of the communicators are perfect. We make mistakes, even though we have very high standards. So you need to know so that we don't deceive you as well, so that you know we're telling you the truth. Amen? All right. And then our final, our third reason why it is important to be in the Word daily is because it fuels your relationship with God. So I titled this sermon, Anorexic Christianity, because the Word is spiritual food. The Bible tells us that, that, that is, the Word of God is like food. And just as you need daily to eat food so that your body has the fuel that it needs to do, to live and do the things you need to do, so we need the Word daily for our spiritual lives. Jesus even taught the disciples in the Lord's Prayer, Say it with me. Give us this day our daily bread. All right? And so just as we know in the natural, food has to be eaten daily. So in the spiritual, it's also true. It needs to be eaten daily. And if we don't, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I have another quote by Wayne Cordero that I want to show you guys. You can celebrate God in a crowd, but you can only get to know him one-on-one. -on -one. And you see, celebrating God is what we're doing right now in church. We come together, we worship him, we have a sermon, we, you know, encourage one another. It's great. And scripture commands that. So again, I'm not saying that we need to do away with church services. Not at all. But I believe that this quote is 100% true. I believe that you can have a more intimate experience with God going into your room, shutting the door, opening the word, turning on some worship music, and praying. God is right there with you. It's not like he's limited to these four walls, all right? And so, and I believe this, you can have a more powerful experience in your room in that way than at camp. Camp is awesome. God is there at camp, but if you, Scripture promises us, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So if you seek him, 
I promise you this, you'll find him. And now an argument that a lot of people use when it comes to why they don't read the word, an excuse is that I'm too busy. But again, as we've been doing, if we, this doesn't work if we apply it in the natural. Sure, all of us have been, had a, a time where we've been too busy and we've skipped breakfast or lunch or, you know, something like that. But eventually, your body's going to tell you you're neglecting it. You skip, you skip breakfast and lunch by dinner, you're feeling it. Or if you skip a day, maybe you can go two, three. Eventually, your body's going to be screaming at you, you need to feed me. And if you don't, your performance is going to tank because it's not getting the fuel that it needs. It can only operate so long without it, and eventually, you'll flatline. And so, let me tell you guys about a story when this happened in my life. I was extremely disciplined when it came to reading the Word when I was in high school and in college. It wasn't perfect, missed days, we all do, but on the whole, I didn't miss much. So then we get to my last year of college, my fifth year, I was student teaching both semesters. First semester in a middle school, second semester in a high school. And student teaching, in case you guys don't know, is a crazy busy experience, crazy busy time. Because not only was I in school at KSU taking classes, having projects and stuff that I got to submit, but on top of that, I was in the classroom. First semester, I was there like 25 hours a week. And then the second semester, I was there 40 hours a week, every week, and more. And so then on top of that, grading y'all's papers, you know, preparing my lectures, actually teaching all that stuff, all the stuff, fun stuff teachers get to do. It was a lot. And so, needless to say, I was very, very busy. And so, I tried to keep up with the word. Eventually, I just completely set it to the side and said, you know what, I don't have time for this. And so, that semester was the worst semester I have ever had in my entire schooling experience. Not just college, ever. And I believe that the reason it was that way is because a huge part of my relationship with God, I had cut off. I didn't have his word, and I didn't have his spirit fueling me anymore. And so the only thing that I could produce in my own effort was death. Now, next semester, I realized my error, and I was like, all right. I was even busier next semester, but I was like, I got to stay in the word. So again, wasn't perfect, far from it. But I made that a priority, that I am going to be in the Word. And so I did, and the experience was night and day. I mean, it was so bad the first semester that I was afraid I was going to fail out that student teaching, have to repeat it, push back graduation, push back wedding, all that jazz. It was that bad. And so the next semester, fantastic. Loved my collaborating teacher, had a great experience with the students and all that jazz. And I believe it's because it was in the Word. So bringing it all to a conclusion are three reasons why it is important to eat the word daily. First, it helps us to learn to use wisdom instead of consequences. Secondly, it helps us to know what you believe. And then third, it fuel, being in the word daily fuels your relationship with God. So I want to close by putting this picture back up here and asking you guys this question. Does your spiritual life look like this? When God looks at you right now, on the general, is this what he sees? So let's uh, go ahead and close our eyes and bow our heads. So if your answer to this question is yes, if you'd say, 
Yeah, Tony, I've been neglecting eating. I am an anorexic Christian. Would you just boldly raise your hand? There's no one looking around. Just raise your hand if that's you. Amen. Amen. Hand, you can put your hand down once you raise it. Hands still going up. Just going to wait a second. Well, I've got good news for you all that there is a cure. And again, I did not come here to condemn you all. The cure is simply this. Be in the word. Eat of the word daily. And you don't have to be an anorexic Christian anymore. Now, next week, I'm going to be giving you guys the practical how-tos like I talked about already. Four ways to prevent anorexic Christianity. And I hope you all make it back. I know it's uh, the weekend of Thanksgiving. But for those of you that just raised your hand, like I said, the cure is there. It's simple. And if you would say that you want to make a commitment, a resolve, that from this day moving forward, again, you're not, no one's perfect. You're not going to be perfect. And that's okay. God understands that. But you realize now why. You realize the importance of being in the word. And you want to make a commitment that you're going to stick with it. Would you just stand up where you're at? Eyes still closed, head still bowed. But if that's you, and you're saying you're making a commitment, would you just stand to your feet? Amen. Amen. People standing up all over. Praise the Lord. I'm just going to wait a second, then I'm going to pray for everyone who stands up. But if that's you in this place, stand to your feet. Amen. All right, I'm going to pray. Pray with me, guys. Father, I thank you for these that have stood boldly saying, I've been off. I've been an anorexic Christian. I've been neglecting the word, but no more. Today is a new day. And so, Father, I pray for them that you would strengthen them. I pray you'd give them grace. I pray you would release forgiveness and healing, Lord Jesus, in their hearts, that they would not beat themselves up, but, God, that they would move forward, being anorexic no longer, but daily eating of your word and feasting on your word. I just thank you, Lord Jesus, for these that have stood. I pray blessings upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat.